Howdy. We'll continue our beginning of our study in the book of Daniel, chapter 1. Well, let's pray first. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we know these events and this account happened 2,600 years ago, but it's still relevant for your people today that it teaches us who you are, that you're the sovereign God and creator of, of all things, and that these things didn't happen by accident, but it's part of your plan to discipline your children, but to also preserve them. May your Holy Spirit just open our hearts and minds today as we look at these events that we can learn more about you but also that we might see how we can apply these things that your children, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, that just their actions teach us how we should live for, for you today and over 2,000 years later. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Daniel opens up with just the events that changed his life, changed his home, changed the, the, the lives and the, the outlook of, of the nation of Israel. Verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Sinar, to the house of his God, and he placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that the king drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Misael and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, and Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. We looked a little bit at the beginning last week, the third year of the king, king, of, king of Judah, Jehoiakim, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. That after Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Assyria and Egypt at the Battle of Carchemish in 605 BC, he, he continued down south and, and, and besieged Jerusalem. That he began warring on, on Judah as well. All that Daniel reminds us or tells us that the Lord gave Jehoiakim into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. That this wasn't, even though Nebuchadnezzar was, was now the supreme ruler 
of the ancient Near East. He had defeated Egypt and, and Assyria there at Carchemish. He, he was expanding his empire, the, the Neo-Babylonian empire there in the, in the seventh century, uh, extending his, his power and dominance over the, the whole region that it was God who gave Jehoiakim, who gave Judah, who gave Israel into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. This was because of Israel's sin, their unfaithfulness, disobedience to God, their worshiping idols. And so Daniel, off, just at the beginning, reminds us of that. He, he knows that it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar who conquered Israel, but that the Lord, Adonai, the sovereign master, the sovereign ruler, is, is how he is referring, referring to God today. The one who is in control allowed Nebuchadnezzar to conquer Judah. When Nebuchadnezzar came that first time, this is the first of three uh, captivities or three uh, battles against Jerusalem and, and Judah that he takes some of the vessels out of the house of God, out of the temple. Why does he do that? In, in those days, the people would look at their God, their, their victories were a sign that their God had defeated the God or gods of their enemy. Nebuchadnezzar goes into the temple. We don't know exactly which utensils or vessels he takes. Maybe the Ark of the Covenant, the, the menorah, just the, the items of gold that are there. And he takes some of them back to the land of, of Sinar, another name for Babylon, the southern part of, of Mesopotamia. And he puts them in his, his temple, the temple of Marduk, that he, he displays them and says, look, our God has defeated the God of Judah. Again, Daniel had made it perfectly clear that this was the Lord's plan. This was God's plan to chasten His people, but also to preserve His, His people, to preserve that remnant that's going to return 70 years later. Interesting that before Daniel tells of the, the people that were taking back, taken back to, to Babylon, he mentions those vessels. In all appearances, it's as if Nebuchadnezzar is, is the supreme ruler. Nebuchadnezzar is in control. Nebuchadnezzar then commands Ashpenaz, his chief official or uh, chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel also, of the royal family, of nobility. He wants the young people. He wants youths that are of good appearance, without blemish, that are skillful in wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, competent to stand in the, in the, in the king's palace. He, he wants the best and the brightest of the, of the, the youth of, of Judah, the young people of Jerusalem, to take them back, bring them in, train them, ones that have a good aptitude for, for learning, but not just that, that look good, 
so that he can teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans so that he might have them assimilate. It's really a good plan. If you've conquered this people, let's get the young people. We'll indoctrinate them into our ways, into our language. We will, we will teach them our history. We'll, we'll teach them our language so that then the next generation will fall into step. It's, it's a great plan uh, that, that Nebuchadnezzar has, but it's also he's, he's, he's moving in the way that God is directing him, that, that God is even now preparing Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah for the things that they will do in the, in, for God's kingdom there in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. So not only does he want to teach them, but in verse 5 he says he wants to give them a daily portion of food, not just any food, but the food and the wine that the king drank. So they're, they're getting the best food that's available. And then they're going to educate them for three years. It's, it's even uh, not just the, the food and the drink, but the education of the of the Babylonians, their language and literature and history, certainly an indoctrination into their, uh, their gods and the gods that they serve, that he wants to just, just give them a, an in-depth, not a crash course, but a three-year study uh, into Babylonian culture and literature and religion. In this group from the royal family, this group from, from noble families, high-ranking families, we, we meet four young people, probably 14 or 15 years old at the time that they're taken away, they're marched through uh, the, the desert some five or six hundred miles from, from Jerusalem to, to, Bab, to the city of Babylon. They, they, they can see the city from a distance with its 80-foot high walls, its, its walls that are not only 80-foot 80, 80 high but that are 85 feet thick walls that they raced chariots around. They were, they were so big, you kind of wish when you're in rush hour that some of our freeways were that wide, that, that the walls were that thick. Just uh, a, a picture of Nebuchadnezzar's wealth and success. And here we have these four young people, among others, that are, that are dragged, that are in chains probably going to this new city. They can maybe see those vessels from the temple of Solomon, the, the temple of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob before them that the Babylonians would be trying to show them off. This is what we've conquered. Look what we have. We have the Ark of the Covenant. We have the seat that, that they say their God sits on, yet we're putting it in the temple of Marduk. They bring them to, to, to Babylon. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, what are they thinking? What are, who are they believing is in control of all these things? They not only take them there to, to indoctrinate them, but they, they change their names. 
names that had reflected the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yahweh or Jehovah. Daniel in Hebrew meaning my judge is God. Hananiah meaning Yahweh has shown grace. Mishael, who is what God is. Or Azariah, Yahweh has helped. That their names when they heard them would reflect the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Daniel, his parents named him my judge is God. Mishael, who is what God is? That's a rhetorical question, right? No one is what God is. And now part of Nebuchadnezzar's brainwashing or attempted brainwashing is to give them God names that reflect the Babylonian gods of Bel, Aku, Nego, Mar Marduk, Belteshazzar probably means may Bel protect his life or Bel's prince. Shadrach would be uh, the command of Aku. Abednego would be servant of Nebo, Nebo or Nego, the, the moon god of, of the Babylonians. But those Hebrew names that had, had such meaning, such uh, adoration really to, to their God, the God that had led them into Canaan, into the promised land, the land He had promised to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now they're, they're experiencing the exodus in reverse. They're taken to Babylon. They, they're, they're taken probably behind those vessels that came from the temple of God. And, and they're, they're thrust into this new culture, this language at the time they don't understand. The king's plan is to give them his food, his wine, his education, and names to reflect his gods. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved. Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel made up his mind. Maybe the, the, the strongest uh, word is resolved. Think about when you have resolved to do something resolved in a, in a stronger sense than just a New Year's resolution. But Daniel resolved what? That he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Nebuchadnezzar was looking for a youth without blemish. Daniel is wanting to be a young man who is not blemished on the inside as well as the outside. He's resolved, I am not going to defile myself with the king's food. Why? Is it because it's not kosher? Maybe the, 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 the food does not uh, meet the Levitical standard. That's, that's probably a big part of it. It might be that the food was, had been sacrificed to idols. Uh, but I think Daniel's resolution was because of, of, of many things that he saw the king's food, particularly the, the, the meat and the wine, would be a, a way to defile, that would defile him and, and allow Nebuchadnezzar to control him. So what does he do? He's resolved this. So he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. 
kind of interesting that he resolved, but he didn't demand. He, he didn't, he, he went about it the right way. He asked Ashpenaz, the, the chief of, of Nebuchadnezzar's officials or servants or eunuchs, that he asked him, he knew how to go about getting what he, what he wanted, what he felt. Though he resolved, he was still respectful in approaching Aspenaz. Look at verse 9, how God honors that. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. So Daniel was, he was already showing that Nebuchadnezzar made a good choice in picking him. He's apparently handsome, good appearance, without blemish, but he's also skillful in wisdom. This is a 14-year-old who's taken from, from his home five or six hundred miles away. He's, he's led to this fabulous city. There's nobody there to watch Daniel. It's like a, a weekend on the town with no supervision. And yet Daniel already knows who is in control, that, that God is in control and he is resolved. He has purposed in his heart that he's not going to defile himself, that he is going to honor God. By this time, Daniel has already had his bar mitzvah. He's a son of the law. He's, he's read the Moses, the Torah, maybe some of, of, of Samuel in knowing uh, how God raised up King David, a man after his own heart, that, that God has chosen Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah to be of those first captives that go so that God might preserve His people in that captivity in, in those 70 years in Babylon as He, as he grooms Israel for the things that's gonna, that are going to come to them later in, in, in their history, later in, in their lives. So God gives Daniel favor in the sight of, the, of Ashpenaz, but Ashpenaz is still hesitant. Verse 10, he says to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see you in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king? So Ashpenaz is like, Daniel, I can understand this, but I fear Nebuchadnezzar more than I fear you. You need to eat his food, drink his wine, so that you grow strong, that you gain muscle, that, that you look, continue to look good. I don't want to give you just vegetables and have you lose weight, look like some refugee, even though you are a refugee. I said, no. But remember, God had given Daniel favor, not just in the eyes of, the, of Ashpenaz, but we're going to see in the eyes of Ashpenaz's servant. Verse 11, Then Daniel said to the servant whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned to him, so Ashpenaz is in charge, but he's got other stewards 
beneath him who would take smaller groups. Daniel approaches him and he says, test us for 10 days, give us vegetables and water to drink, and then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So Daniel proposes a, a test with the, with the steward who's in charge of them. He says, look, just for 10 days, we're not gonna lose that much weight in 10 days. We're, we're not gonna just, we're not gonna die test us for 10 days and see how we look. You'll make the final determination. You, you observe if the kids that eat from the king's table look better or if we look better, you make the, the call. You observe what happens after 10 days. Verse 14, so he, that's the steward, listened to them, listened to Daniel, in this matter, and he tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So after 10 days, Daniel and his, his, his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, were, looked better, fatter in flesh, now, that's really not what we want these days. We don't want to be fatter. And how do they get fatter? They, they developed. It's, it's, it's in a sense that they, they grew. Even in 10 days, they were brighter. They were more healthy looking than those who ate from the meat, the rich food of the king's table. And so the steward decided that this is not going to be bad. I'm going to come out. I'm probably going to get a raise after this. So he gives them just the vegetables and, and water to drink as they had, had, had requested. Verse 17, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded them that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. What words jump out at you through the, this whole chapter? Okay, I'll tell you. Certainly resolved. Daniel resolved. He purposed in his heart. But notice also this word that just kind of a simple word, but the word gave. Back in verse 2, the Lord, Adonai, the Supreme Master, the Supreme Lord, gave Jehoiakim, God gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. In verse 9, God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. 
in verse 17, God gave them skill and learning and all the literature and wisdom. God is directing these things. Who is in control? God is in control of what's going on there over 500 miles away from, from Jerusalem, over the lives of these young people that he has allowed Nebuchadnezzar to take into captivity along with those articles and utensils, uh, vessels from the temple, that, that God is in control. At the end of the three years, they bring in all of the youths. This is their, their, their oral exam at the, at the end of their master's degree or their orals for their, for their doctorate. And they stand before Nebuchadnezzar. That would kind of make you nervous. You know, if they're 14 when they start, 15, they're 17 or 18 years old now, they're brought in to the, the most powerful king of the whole region, and he is going to question them. He's going to speak the language of the Chaldeans, Aramaic or a language that they've just been learning. Maybe even some of the more, the more ancient uh, Akkadian language. And he's going to test them and ask them questions. Do they pass? They do more than pass. It says he found them ten times better than the magicians and enchanters that were in his kingdom. Not just the other youths that had been uh, indoctrinated and, and trained in the ways of the Babylonians, but all of his magicians and enchanters that had grown up in his kingdom, Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, are all, they're ten times better than, than those old guys that are already in the king's service. Why? How, how could that happen? Did Nebuchadnezzar just get lucky and pick the right ones? It says that God gave them learning. God designed the curriculum. God gave them minds and, and the ability to learn this material. Who else did God give learning to? Think about Moses and being rescued when he was a baby and raised in, in Pharaoh's household. Or Saul, that first century Pharisee, a, a son of the law, one who, who was learned in all things pertaining to, to Judaism in the first century, that God had designed their curriculum as well and then placed them in precise moments in the history of his of, of his people, of God's people, to, to use them. Daniel is in much the same uh, situation that God has chosen him to put him 500 miles away from Jerusalem in Babylon under this many times a despot king. Nebuchadnezzar does some good things, some bad things, probably more bad than good, but uh, that, that he's in controlling. God has placed these young people there and prepared them for what's going to happen. So I think the first thing we can, 
glean from this as we as we looked at last week was who is in control God is in control God is sovereign God gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar but the second part of that question for us is who is in control of my life Certainly we would never debate or say that anyone other than God is in control. But is He in control of my life? Have I resolved like Daniel to live a holy life, a life that's set apart for God? Certainly, we, we want that to be the case. But is it something that we, that we pray about? God set me apart. God let me live according to the righteousness of Christ that has been, that has been placed on me. God, don't let me defile my, myself with the things of, of, of this world, but may I live in accordance with your commandments. As Jesus told His, His disciples and us, if, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. God directed these events in the, in the life of Israel, in the history of Israel, but even specifically in the lives of these four young men. Is this only a message, an application for teenagers? I mean, it'd be really nice if we could say yes. If you're over 40, you don't have to consider these things. This is just for young people. Or maybe if you're over 21, this is just for young people, for junior high, high school, college age kids. But truthfully, or the true answer is no, this pertains to all of us, whether we're 18 or 80, that, that God wants us to put Him first. That yeah, we can do lip service to God is in control, but the second part of the question is, who is in control of my life? Am I just okay saying, well, God is in control of everything except for my life? God has called us to be a, a separate, a called out people to live for Him, to share the good news with those we meet, but also to live a life that also does not defile ourselves to those around us that does not that does not reflect an assimilation into the world that we're in the world but not of the world and that God's going to give us <clears throat> favor with those when we seek to live for him Daniel didn't just 
refuse? He asked the chief eunuch. Let us do this. He was respectful. He was wise. He was smart and just knew how to, uh, to, to get these things that he had already resolved in his, in his heart, in his mind. You know, I think many times that if we're going to resolve something, this wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing for Daniel, but that even as he was dragged five or six hundred miles away from his family and his homeland, that he resolved, no matter what happened or what happens, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I know that it's only because He gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar that these things are happening. And though I may not know what's going to happen next week, but I'm going to resolve to live for Him. And I think that's a message that whether you're 8 or 18, or 80 or 90, that we should each one resolve to live for the Lord. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for these examples of the faith that we have. And Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And God, may we resolve to live for You Resolve to, though we're in the world, that we won't be conformed to the world, but that we'll be set apart by you for your service because it is our, our reasonable action, because you are the sovereign God and Creator. You're our Redeemer, our Savior, and that You desire to have a special relationship with each one of us. So God, may, may our actions, our lives, our words reflect that, knowing that You will give us the, the skill, the words to say, and the strength to to persevere, though many times we may be in a, a situation like, like Daniel where it's those around us don't believe, but that you can still use us to share your love with those that we meet. Father, be with us in this time of this social distancing for those who are alone, for those who are sick. And God, use us to help them, to comfort them, to, to, to meet their physical needs as well as just their, their emotional needs. God, just, just show us how we can be useful to Your kingdom in, in these just unusual times. God, again, we thank You for Your Word. And I just ask as we continue in weeks to come looking at Daniel that You will just give us insight and understanding that we can be better servants for the one true King. In His name I pray. Amen.